You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. It started to, especially, I guess, over the pandemic, that didn't help. But then when things started kicking back up and seeing my friends, uh, former tour mates, former bands go out there and be successful, it was just serving as a reminder that I wasn't doing it anymore and kind of didn't let me actually get fulfillment and get satisfaction from my day-to-day life and just let me live in another world that I wish to be in and let me wake, you know, fantasy fulfillment. I'm like, fuck, I'm not doing that anymore. And this is what I'm constantly seeing, seeing that day in and day out, man. It was just, it was just getting to me a getting off of your, your Instagrams, your Twitters, your Facebooks, and just not looking at them ever. I honestly felt like a, like a lead weight had been lifted off of my chest. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Hope you had a killer weekend. I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I'm very stoked to have them behind the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. They have some killer gigs throughout the month of October here in Montreal, such as the Tour to End All Tours, featuring Sabaton and Epica, as well as the Trivium Between the Barry to Me Whitechapel and Chemist show. It's going to be freaking awesome. If you want to grab tickets to either of these shows, you can head on over to their website, heavymontreal.com. I've put the link to that in the description of this podcast. I'm going to be at these shows, so you should be there too. Come party with me. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that is a killer extreme vocalist, well, you should let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 360 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best musicians. We talk all about their life and music while sharing a craft beer. If you would encourage one of your killer vocalist friends to become a future Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm very stoked to be back with Monty Bernard of Lesser Animal and Ember Throne. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 370. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm back with Monty Bernard. Uh, after many, many, many months and days and many episodes, uh, finally back with my friend Monty. Uh, let's start with a very, very simple, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, living up here in Portland, Oregon. It's been an absolutely fantastic summer. I keep saying it's been a suspiciously nice summer. Uh, I mean, it's been Valhalla up until like this week. Some of the NorCal fires are, are making their way uh, up this way. It's kind of smoky today. So I'm bunkered down, hanging out with my friend Matt. I've got a beer ready, locked and loaded. Good to go, and uh, happy to chat, man. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to hang out with you. I met you. You were singing for the Kennedy Vale on Devastation on the Nation, I want to say. Yeah, am I, I correct? So, yeah. yeah, I believe so. 2016, 17, something like that a minute ago. Yeah, man. And then I bumped into you after that at Brutal Assault, where you were you were fronting Faluya at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I bopped around a little bit, filled in here, played <laughs> in there. Uh, I just love doing it, man. Any chance I can get, uh, 
But now I've got some projects that are mine, some stuff I've built uh, from the ground up with some friends. Uh, stoked to talk about it. Absolutely. Obviously, we're talking about Lester Animal, Ember Throne. We'll get to that. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, while sharing a craft beer. You have a craft beer there. What beer is that? Uh, present this beer. What are we going to be sharing virtually today? Attention, please, by Bearded Iris. Uh, it's from Nashville, Tennessee. 8.2%. Uh, it's a double IPA. <clears throat> it's a little early my time here in Portland, but it's a Saturday, so, you know, well, let's kick it off right, brother. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, on my side, I have four beers, which I, I will only drink one, but I will let you choose okay. um, very special beers that I just released. Uh, some of them are actually going out into the world. Others were just for Brutal Montreal. That happened last week here, where Deicide, Cataclysm, and Inhuman Condition played. Dude. And Death were supposed to be on the bill, but sadly, they could not be there. Heavy Montreal presents Brutal Montreal. Very stoked about that. So I have four beers. I'll let you choose. There is the festival beer, which is the, the Vox and Hops collab that oh, came wow. out. It's uh, a light Czech lager collab from La Patsky. Killer, killer stuff. I was actually hanging with them yesterday at Oktoberfest in the Rapanzini. Very, very good night there, too. There is uh, the beer... That was created for the band that could not be there on Death's collab with Le Fermatao. Cheers to Le Fermatao. I was hanging out with them last night at the Oktoberfest in Rapunzini 2. <laughs> this is Rise from the Grave. This nice. is an 8% Belgian double. There is Serenity and Fire from Cataclysm. The collab with uh, BG Brasserie Urbain. This is a 5.5% New England Pale Ale. And there is uh, the beer that sold out the fastest at the show, Deicide's Legion Lager from Overhop Canada. I can't love Overhop Canada enough. I was hanging out with them last weekend at Chambly Beer Fest here in Quebec. So, so what, what should I drink here? Um, be nice to me. It's uh, it's not. I'm. It's not as early as it is for you, but uh, I am feeling crispy. <laughs> Go for it, man. Go for it. They, they all look amazing. That, that Deicide beer, especially. I gotta, I gotta order some of this stuff. I gotta get. It some doesn't of this exist. Stuff. It was, it was just for the <gasps> event. Just the, the only event. one that actually truly exists. They're actually rebrands, and I, I couldn't say that on the podcast. It's my podcast. Basically, it's a rebrand of a okay. beer that they already made, and they just put it in a different can or put a new ah, label on the beer. Okay. But okay. This one was created for the event, and I'm proud of it. A light Czech lager, a Zveti. I always fuck this up. A Zvetli, <laughs> Vesepni, Vesepni, Zvetis Vesepni. All my Czech fans. Once again, this is the second episode in a row that I'm drinking this, and both times I massacred the name. It's, it sounds that. delicious. It sounds delicious. And the night that sounds like you had last night, that's going to be a nice start to the day. It's not going to be too rough, not going to be too brutal. I, I, I had a great time at Oktoberfest in Rapunzel yesterday, and I drank low ABV beers all night, and that's why I woke up feeling great. I'm going to pour this out, and... Um, Let's start with a shitty topic, but I think it's an important topic. It's uh, how did you cope with these glorious years that we've been separated? Oh, these fun, fun times. You know, you know the, the year of 2020 and then 2021, half of 2022, but you, it sounds good. For, you said that you've had like a suspiciously very zen summer. So, yes. so talk to me about these times since the last times we hung up, basically, because we hung out in 2019. Right before, uh, yeah. When we recorded episode 30 of Vox and Hops at Belmont Station in Portland. You came, you picked me up uh, on the aborted run. You took me to Belmont Station. We enjoyed a killer beer. Uh, I think it was Modern Times, I, if I remember, a yes. IPA, I want to say. And it was raining like fucking crazy, and uh, we had a good time. Uh, <laughs> Drinking so beer a lot has happened Portland. since then. <laughs> a lot has happened. Yes, so, uh, so yes, take, take me through these years and then coping with everything that went on in the world. Yeah, man, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, like everyone, I think it's been kind of a roller coaster with uh, the ups and downs and 
the bullshit when it hit the fan. There it is. There it is. That looks so delicious in the Vox and Hops glass as well, as it should be. Uh, I got to order me some way. of those, man. I got to order me some of those. Um, no, it was definitely, you know, a roller coaster like everyone. Um, luckily, my, my job, um, I work for a company, I do marketing and sales for a company that does expense reports and business travel. So we definitely took a hit, but there were no layoffs. I, I work can work remotely and now it's kind of solely remotely. So it was not business as usual. There's a couple things we had to pivot on. But for the most part, uh, apart from, you know, kind of slight changes work wise, didn't really change that much. Um, but uh, through that all. Uh, you know, it kind of spurred the inspiration with, with uh, myself, uh, my friend Martin Bianchini, uh, Quentin Garcia and and Gabe Sieber, who's friend of the podcast, of course, um, to, 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 to start something new to, you know, we've all collaborated in the past uh, in different ways, shapes and forms. And we thought, you know, kind of one of those. There's a pandemic going around the world. We might not live much longer. You know, how long, how finite is this existence kind of a thing? Really existential. Um, especially like, you know, for live music in general, doing it kind of taking a step back and, and reflecting on what we love to do. And, and we, you know, we got lit the fire under our ass. So we wrote that EP, we worked, you know, uh, uh, just night and day on that. Martin's, uh, an absolutely fantastic musician. The shit he was writing and the collaboration was not only really fulfilling from a creative standpoint, but just, I love those guys. It's again, dudes I've known for forever since my start, um, playing music. So it was just kind of a no brainer to, to start that. So that definitely helped take that aside. Um, got married in the woods. So instead of spending a bunch of money at a big party, uh, you know, with a bunch of our friends who I'll get to talk to for 30 seconds each, we <laughs> went out to the woods in, in Washington and, uh, by this beautiful river in this cabin and like, 20 of our friends all drove in or rather family and a couple friends. They drove in. Everyone got tested. Everyone was safe. This was like August of 2020. So really at the height of it. When, when everyone was still very comfortable with everything. Exactly. It, it was nerve wracking, but it was it was so cathartic is the wrong word. It was so just just invigorating to get back together with everyone to kind of remember, you know, what matters and got married, used the money uh, we, we saved on not having a giant wedding to to buy a home. So bought a house in Portland, uh, settled down here a little bit uh, next year. I think a, a baby's going to be here. We'll see. We're working on that. But, uh, you know, that, that's kind of in the that's the next step in that. But uh, but yeah, man, it, it's definitely a time of reflection, definitely a time of kind of understanding what means the most and, and what, you know, is uh, is valuable in, in life. So, mm-hmm. again, with everyone, it's been a roller coaster. It's been a lot of ups. It's been a lot of downs. Definitely had some mental health issues over the last two years, like everyone. Uh, but coming out the other side, feeling really, really good and got new two new projects that I could not be more excited about. It's awesome that a, a global pandemic is what spurred you to come back to music. Because the last time we spoke, you were just sort of taking a break. You were very busy with uh, your podcast, which is a podcast that definitely inspired me to start a podcast casting metal and then you had a website going as well um and then it took you to realize that everything was gone and how finite everything is for you to to get back into performing and creating and being on that side of the musical spectrum again yeah definitely and i'm i'm apprehensive to listen to that episode and hear my my you know probable perceived bitterness because <laughs> I was thinking back to that talk I'm like man I probably sounded like a curmudgeonly old asshole like jaded know. And, you know push through push through the system and you know spit out the other end but but yeah it, it definitely is a silver lining um I, I actually I've actually joined up with uh, another established project so got three in my back pocket the third Amazing. can't talk about yet um but 
safe to say, uh, suffice to say, very excited about it. They've been around as a project, as a band for, I think, close to two decades. Uh, so I'm very excited to, to I'm working on new music with them as well. So I got Good my for you. local project. I got my homie project that will do you know some stuff. So I got three part time things going along and just I, I'm happiest when I'm creating. I'm happiest when I'm working on, in, in the in the music that I love. And um, yeah, just reflecting and understanding that and just going full bore as much as I can. Casting metal uh, definitely inspired me to do a lot of things. One of the things that you most definitely inspired me to do was to get involved with Devastation on the Nation. When I saw that you were a sponsor, I was like, that's a good fucking idea. So the next year I hit up Defonce and I was like, <laughs> can I like sponsor this thing? And then that happened and then everything got canceled. And then he wrote me over the summer. He's like, I'm doing it again. It's coming back. I was like, can I be a presenting sponsor? There you go. There I was you just go. ballsy on my couch after a few beers. <laughs> you don't ask, yes. you don't get, man. <laughs> exactly. Sales one Casting Metal, uh, hanging up your podcast hat. Um, talk to me about that moment. What, what, what moment did you know that it was no longer something you were going to do or was it just on hiatus for now? Well, I mean, it, it came, Casting Metal came about because uh, I, I love touring and I, I love this scene. I love this this community, the industry. And I wanted to talk shop with guys I've toured with. I wanted to kind of talk, you know, kind of I- I- intermingle and, and kind of have that kind of inside baseball chat about that. But then I stopped touring full time. I stopped touring, you know, as much as I was. It was it was definitely tapering off. And I did a few episodes that more or less just kind of felt like press. And and it might have been yeah. it might have just been, you know, a, a bad couple batches and not not, you know, no, no, no shade thrown to any of my my guests. Everyone was absolutely amazing and wouldn't trade it for the world. But there were a couple episodes I did where it just felt like I don't really know this guy. You know, I don't know him. And, he, and I'm asking questions. And I'm trying to spur up. You know, put my Joe Rogan hat on or whatever and just kind of get that conversation naturally going uh, in, in the for, for the podcast, for the content and and the answers I was getting and the interaction. It just felt like I was just press. And I'm like, well, I'm not really touring anymore. I felt kind of disjointed from that world a little bit. And I didn't want it to just become me being like, all right, Monty, casting metal coming at you. All right. So how's the tour going? You know, you know, like, no, no, no. With the new record. What's your inspiration <laughs> on that? And just asking the bullshit questions that I know these guys have to answer, you know, mm-hmm. day in and day out. Cause I've been there firsthand and that kind of just put a sour taste in my mouth. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely have considered bringing it back in, in some way, shape or form. It's definitely been in my back pocket and I'm, I'm, honored to hear that i inspired you because fox and hops watching you guys grow watching your collaborations with heavy montreal and all of the beer companies it's just it's fucking awesome to see i mean matt thank you so much you're a legend i i've i've you know been a huge cryptopsy fan i'm i'm gracious and honored to call you a friend uh and yeah just your success man has just been is, has been lighting me up uh ever, ever since so thank you so so much thank you thank you and it is interesting that that, that a part of yourself found that 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 you didn't want to do this anymore you didn't want to become another press stop because yeah. publicists love to find us <laughs> and they, i i never fit into their box right i won't pick a time so they have to fall into my time slot so i'm super annoying for them <laughs> that's good that's good keep them on their toes <laughs> and then so many so many podcasts started during the pandemic but you came to the point where you're like, I just, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be that. Yeah, l- looking back now, I think I, I kind of, it's, you know, interesting, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's like, I got ahead of the curve and so then I ahead. dropped it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hmm, not smart, not a good business decision. But I mean, I'll, I'll be frank with you, man. Uh, it's, there, there was definitely some, you know, identity disassociation issues. Like I, I, I 
turned 30 uh, and was, mm-hmm. you know, living with my my girlfriend and a bunch of roommates and just not doing good financially and just, you know, prospects, career, money-wise. Um, and I ended up getting the, the job I have now, which I love, and I've grown uh, as a career in the last four and a half years and could not be more grateful for. Enjoy every minute of it. It's definitely been a learning process and, again, very grateful for it. But it was very much an identity disassociation thing. Like, my whole identity was for my twenties, at least was doing that was trying to get to that point of nationally touring and moving through that and being in this community and working w- with this industry and being in this tribe. And then it kind of felt like I turned my back on it, you know, when I had to go, I'm going to go get a nine to five. And a lot of it, I'm sure was in my head. A lot of it, I'm sure was just kind of fabricated by my own, you know, mental state, but that definitely attributed to, you know, maybe that in tandem with having those interviews, just feeling like I'm not really a part of that anymore. It didn't feel like I yeah. was in that. So I felt kind of like an outsider trying to, I don't know, a lot of shit there. I have a great therapist, uh, you know, <laughs> shit helps, but That's I'm in a really good place no. and, uh, you know, kind of come out the other side and I feel very balanced. I feel very uh, fortunate. Hmm, that does make a lot of sense. Then. And I was going to say you felt like an outsider. You were no longer talking to your friends backstage. You were that person that showed up and was on the person's schedule and they had to leave their friends to go with you because a publicist or someone higher up told them to do that. Yeah. An obligation. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, yeah. I can understand that. And you know, I used to do this kind of that kind of thing. Oh yeah. 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 I was in that band or whatever. Like, I don't know. That's you were, you were in all the bands though, but (laughs) I think Gabe has that crown, but I will happily be his his sire to that. I will, you know. (laughs) Uh, On to more fun things. Um, A question I never asked you that I love to dig into, and you get like a clearer picture of, uh, and I'll say it now. Actually, this is why I ask this question. I ask it all the time, and not many people know why I ask this question, but I'll say it now because I love to find out about people's youths. And this is a perfect question to dig into many different aspects of that is, when you were at home, when you were growing up, what music was playing when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Oh, I love that. I love that. My, my dad um, is a huge music fan. I, I've always kind of been surprised he never played music because he was he was so, so into his stuff. But he was into more eclectic stuff, like anything from your kind of run of the mill stuff like the the Cure, the Smiths, the Clash but he also got into like Echo and the Bunny Men. He got into he played a lot of uh, Frank Zappa. He played a lot of Tom Waits. He definitely was into Tom Waits. I mean, he's, my dad's still alive. He he loves all loves all that shit. And anytime I'm at his house, it's always his music. And it's like, oh my god, Dad, come on! Like uh, uh, a lot of old country, <laughs> he, he, but a lot he of like evolved. The, the, no, 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 he still no, no, to that music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God bless him. He has a great taste in music, and he definitely. You know, showed me a lot. Of, he showed me Smashing Pumpkins for the first time. Really? My first concert when I was seven. He took me to see the Smashing Pumpkins at an arena because I heard zero wow. and was like, "Oh yeah, what the fuck is that?" You know. Yeah. And he took that me. Was and, the attitude. It was the attitude that I remember being so enthralled with that attitude for some yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then the 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 double CD jewel case with like I can yeah. still remember exact every yeah. inch of that thing. So there was a lot of that. Um, yeah, the Cure, the Smiths, a lot of the new wave stuff, uh, New Order, Depeche Mode. I, I hear the Violator, like uh, that whole record by Depeche Mode, and to this day, man, it it it, uh, it takes me like it takes my mind back. That that's like the strongest tie to my childhood. Like I can remember being eight years old hearing the synths on Violator. Like it's it's a 
it's a eerie thing how strong that specific record because my dad listened to that over and over and over again. My my mom, you know, definitely loved music as well, but um, she was more into you know your Madonnas and your Cheryl Crows and your um a lot of like kind of country twangy singers. She she's from Mississippi, so she's got more of that that country twang to her. So definitely an eclectic uh, approach. But uh, my mom tells me that um, uh, "Rock the Cradle of Love" by Billy Idol. She had that tape. And uh, I don't remember this, obviously, but when I was a toddler, I told her to replay it so much that we wore really? out the tape. That, that's that was your song. The legend she yeah. tells me is that I would just, I, and then I, the first song I do ever remember was uh, Paradise City by Guns N' Roses. And I knew really? every word to that being like four years old. And then wow. it just compounded to be heavier. I heard Smashing Pumpkins and loved that. And then it was Metallica. And my dad took me to see Metallica when I was nine. And, it's a good uh, dad. I think he regrets, uh, he might regret it. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing fine now. I think sometime around 24 when I was, you know. There was a dark moment. Yeah. Where like, I'm going to live in this van. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm going to drive <laughs> everywhere. And I'm going to play for basically no money. Yeah. For no money for and next, no people. <laughs> six, seven years of my life. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. Was there ever a moment that you brought something into the house that was too extreme? Or were they like, here's a pair of headphones? Or was it was it ever turn it down? Or I remember the, the conversation of um, the parental advisories, like the the warning stickers, kind of kind of came Gore. up. Yeah, Goddamn yeah. Goddamn Tipper Gore, fucking Tipper Gore, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I remember having to buy. I remember the conversation. I remember the exact stoplight we were at when my parents told me the age I could be when I li- could listen to non censored music. I, that's how oh, really? like yeah, I remember the exact place we were. And then I remember they told me when I turned 13, I could listen to non-censored music. And I had just turned 12, I remember. Well, what did you want to listen to? What, what, what was censored at that time? Uh, that was cool. Corn, a lot of stuff. Corn. Oh, okay. Corn Issues had just come out. And I was like, oh, I yeah. wanted it. Uh, and I, I'm sure I found other ways around it. But I had a, a handful of censor, censored issues. I remember uh, censored records, rather. Um, I remember buying Slipknot's Iowa uh, uh, the day it came out. And my, my, my parents, like my mom, like looking at it and being like, I don't know, <laughs> and having to like listen to it and be like, I guess, I don't know. But they, they were, they were cautious about it, but they weren't, they weren't too extreme. You know, they weren't, my parents aren't religious whatsoever. So I think they were just kind of, this is fucking intense. And I was just, I just wanted the next heavier thing, you know, like what was, it couldn't be heavy enough. It, it couldn't be brutal enough for me. And before MySpace and, you know, the advent of, um, you know, full internet sleuthing, I kind of had to. Just go by what was the heaviest in the mainstream, um, you know, but then bands like Kill Switch and Shadows Fall and Lamb of God started to get big. And then I'm, you know, hearing Black Dahlia when I was 15 working at a had a Baskin Robbins uh, ice cream shop and being like, what is that? You know, where was it playing? <laughs> so, oh, dude, I remember the, this guy that worked in the uh, in the complex. He drove up in some like fucking augmented messed up like a G lowered geo Metro. He had a geo Metro car and thought it was cool. And he like tricked it out and he came just fucking burning into the parking lot, blasting unhallowed. And I remember I just hearing it from his car and thinking, you know, I had kill switch and shadows fall and Zayo going on. And I was like, that's like the bridge to real death metal. That's like, I wasn't ready for your deicides or your cryptopsies quite yet, but Hearing that was like, oh, there's still some melody to it. I never heard at the gates either, so I was like, this exactly. Is the, I feel f- like that's like oh, that, that was the perfect transition band for me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there you go. I love that. Uh, issues is the only time that I ever 
I lied to my parents about <laughs> and, and got money for something at school that I needed, and I went and bought <laughs> issues. And I think I said on the podcast before, so I apologize to my parents again if they ever listen to this. Fair. But, <laughs> <laughs> you are, you already mentioned your your first show, another classic, um, Smashing Pumpkin. What was your first be your first metal show, like extreme show, underground show? Do you remember that? Mm, that's a good question. Um, Ah, uh, memory. I'm sure it was something local because in, in my teen years in high school, I, um, me and my, my best buddy, we would just go down to the local venues and uh, we'd drive like the 45 minutes down the hill to Sacramento and the outlying areas. And there were three venues, uh, the boardwalk, uh, which is gone and come and gone and come and gone and come back over and over throughout the years. Uh, the underground, which was run by a church, which Gabe's mom actually ran, Weirdly enough, she she was an admin administrator there, which is um, kind of funny. And then another place called Club Retro. Anyway, I digress. We would go and we would just we would look up online what the band names were. And if one sounded like it'd be something we'd like, we'd just go. And there were $5, $10 shows. And that's just what we would do every single weekend. Shout out to my buddy, Garrett Putman. Um, we would do that. Just we, we were straight edge, so we didn't drink or do drugs. And we just all we wanted to do was see live music and do our fucking ninja dancing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, I, the first thing I remember being like really happy was a Canadian band called Closed Casket Requiem or something like that. There was Closed Casket Funeral. Might have been that. From, it, 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 from I had a, Windsor, uh, Ontario. I remember they were Canadian. So that, that might have yeah. been it. And they were there and they played to nobody. But wow. I was like, closed casket. Like, that sounds hard. So we yeah. went. And I remember being like, it, it was that, you know, in that era where like metal core was kind of dancing with death metal a little bit. There were little elements like death chord. All Shall Perish really hadn't popped off yet. Elysia was that 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 uh, West Coast band that um, I kind of came up with that got weirdly huge when they were all like 18, 19 doing full U.S. tours and just packing out places all across the country. That's cool. Yet scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's a it's a big thing for an 18 year old to do. Yeah. Seriously, man. I. I think maybe we talked about this or I know I've talked about this before uh, on some on some thing. But uh, just the the fact that like back in the day were metalcore and deathcore and I guess it was kind of when death metal had kind of taken a lull and it was coming back uh, in that way. Whereas like the national bands would be opening for the local heroes. And that's just such a weird foreign concept to us now of like, no, 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 no. This scene is so young and so, you know, new and so green that your local band that only has five songs that can somehow pack out your local venue every single, not every single, but maybe once or twice a month playing the same five songs, the national bag like Carnifex came through and opened for our local like headliner Kath was on rise records, you know, and they would, it was crazy. We, we, I remember going down there and, and marveling that we would stand in line once a month or so, maybe a little less every six weeks or whatever, they just milked them, man. And they would play like the same five or six songs and we would pay and it would sell out <laughs> every month. And then whatever, whatever national band they'd get on as an opener. And I remember seeing all these bands that are just legends now opening for my local dickheads. I don't know. No, 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 no uh, shade to Catherine. They were nice guys. <laughs> the band that comes to mind in Montreal that was like that was blessed by a broken heart. They were so... Oh. 
popular here. Yes. They would totally, I think the same situation, you could, they, people would leave, so they had to play last, right? Yeah. Dude, I'm going to spin that the second we get this call. I love that record, man. I should get them on. I yeah. There was the big, what, Tyler, I think his name was. Anyways. Um, <laughs> four years old, you learned uh, Paradise City, full lyrics. Um, I always wanted to be a singer. I, I knew that at a very young age that I wanted to perform. Uh, if you're singing at four years old like that, I, that's similar paths, I imagine. Uh, do you remember your first time on stage? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I, very similar. I, mean, I remember I have a... I have a very vivid memory of like having a, an aspiration, having like a, a goal, a dream. I think I saw like Lenny Kravitz on the uh, uh, American Woman or Got to Go My yep. Way. Are you going to go my way? And yeah, thinking was cool. he was the coolest motherfucker I'd ever seen. And he I remember Tom Petty. <laughs> oh, Tom Petty. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I like foresaw a future where I somehow looked like Lenny Kravitz, which <laughs> I don't. Uh and I, I have like I have this vivid dream, this memory. I don't think I've ever told anyone this actually, um, where I was like in like a radio studio. I was in like a radio, like just a, you know, a, you know, D- DJ booth or whatever, and told the DJ to like dedicate my song to my mom. And I was like Ooh, five, yeah. and that was, and I had like the necklaces and the vest and the guitar on me, and my my aspiration, my dream. So yeah, from from the very beginning, my my, my first time on stage was um, playing guitar. In a talent show, uh, and we played "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and really? I looked okay. like Kurt Co- Cobain because I had the long, I had the long blonde hair spread down the middle, like the the very the very Backstreet Boys kind of long hair. Um, and that was and, no choice, yeah, and no choice. And I couldn't <laughs> sing worth a damn, so we tried me singing, and I just couldn't do it. So we just played instrumentally because oh, I was really? that bad. Okay. But then, you know, in the coming months after that performance. I wore a Slipknot shirt to play a to play a Nirvana song, which is funny as a twelve year old. That's pretty cool. Uh, uh, but then in the coming months, we started covering like Nerve Agents and AFI. And we playing those songs, and and I started just yelling. I started screaming, doing you know doing harsher vocals, and they were like, "Man, you sound really good." And then you know twenty odd years later, here I am. So that was the 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 spark that like, oh, they told me I'm good at that. I was never a great guitar player. Uh, but, uh, I could sound really mad. So there we go. <laughs> well, you, you, you've definitely have sang for lots of people, as I'll mention again, but now you are singing for three projects, two that we can't talk about, Lesser Animal, Ember Throne. Let's talk about those right now. Uh, the excitement of having a pandemic inspire you to come back creatively, uh, to talk to you, have mentioned that before. So talk to me more about each of these projects. Um, what is, what differentiates them really? What what's the purpose of having two projects? Great question. So, so Ember Throne is definitely more of a m- melodic, I don't know, technical death core, I guess. Martin Bianchini, the guitar player who writes the majority of the material, he is a very eclectic individual when it comes to his inspirations. He's he's a ghost writer for Dance Gavin Dance, the uh, Rise Records screamo band or whatever, like the last band to survive the two singer like phenomenon that, <laughs> that we all experienced in the late 2000 aughts. Uh, he's a ghostwriter for them. I think he's written at least 10 songs that have been on the last few records, you know, uh, uh, respectively. He's done that. He also does a, a secret band, which is their side project, which is basically the same lineup sans with Martin and then no clean singing, just all harshing with John. So his mentality writing like death metal stuff is really interesting because Martin, I love him to death. And you should have Martin on because he is. 
I'm not lying. I'm not being, I'm not being, you know, grandiose. He is the funniest person I've ever met in my entire life. And everyone I tell that to, and everyone I introduce him to agrees with me that this guy is, it's a crime. He's not using his brain for comedy and making money (laughs) on it. Uh, anyway, uh, it could be like a, you know, like a later in life. Yeah, discovery. I, dude, Changes, he is. You know, I mean, life crisis is the word. He should be in a writer's room. I mean, he should be in like a a, a a comedy show writer's room, like punching up jokes. Because, like, I kid you not, like I've done. We were in a project together back in the day in our early twenties. Our, our local Sacramento band called the Antioch Synopsis because it was trendy to have band names that you couldn't pronounce and no one could remember. Uh, but we were in that project and we did some some runs of shows and he would. Uh, Matt, he would make me laugh so much, man, that like the next day we'd be like going to the venue, we'd be driving along, driving to the next uh, city and um, my, my, my abs hurt. I was in physical pain <laughs> and he would keep making me laugh and I had to like get, I remember specifically getting angry at him saying, dude, shut the fuck up. You have to stop making me laugh because I won't be able to, it's going to be painful to perform tonight. Like stop making me laugh. Like that's, he's, it's like that dude. Anyway. Working with Martin uh, is just, you know, I, I, I love the guy. He was a, he was a, supposed to be a groomsman at my wedding um, before we didn't have the full wedding, but he was at my bachelor party. He's one of my best friends in the world. Shout out to Martin. Um, I love the guy to death. Uh, and, and just kind of hit, but basically his eclectic nature of how his mind writes death metal. He doesn't really listen to much death metal. He doesn't listen to much tech death. He has his bands that I think he digs a, a lot um, that are in that, that world. But he doesn't like learn other people's songs. He just writes from the mind, from the heart, what he wants to do. So I've always really admired his writing style and really admired his material because it's so different. It doesn't fall into these boxes of like, oh, it sounds like this inspiration or that inspiration. It's just Martin's fucking unique mind writing stuff. So really wanted to to not only, again, kind of scratch that itch again because we worked together in the past and I really love the the Antioch record we did back in the day I, I still really hold tight to that record I still think it's great um and then obviously working with Gabe Gabe Sieber is one of the one of the fucking goats in the industry right now the dude is, is seriously I think he needs to buy a bigger stick to like fight off all the band offers he's getting because uh in, in the group chat he keeps telling us on the offers he's getting and He's like, man, I need to be home for my kid's birthday this year. So, you know, God bless him. He's an amazing drummer, an amazing guy. Uh, not a single bad word to say about him. And then, then our, our bass player, um, Quentin Garcia, is uh, he, he's, a, he's, a, he, he's a jazz bass player. He plays in like a wedding cover band. The guy is one of the most skilled musicians. The guy is an amazing mind. He's our whole technical side of it. We, we built out a whole system for, for in-ears, for, for backing tracks, really? for the whole system. He's that whole technical mind of he's... Just that. So we got a, a really solid crew going together on, on 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 doing this project. So, again, the the purpose of that was just being with friends, making music we love. Everybody's, you know, a, a professional in their own right. Everybody knows each other. And again, that that pandemic kind of kickback of why are we not doing this? You know, we love doing this. It's something what we've been waiting for. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really excited to get on the road with a cyborg o- octopus and uh, Devils of Lodoon. Uh, great dudes have played with them both in the past. It's going to be a short run, but again, it's a part-time thing. We all have, you know, wives and kids or jobs or mortgages or, you know, whatever. So it's something we'll get back on the road and scratch that itch and just, you know, be with my friends, be out there doing what we love. Uh, yeah. Couldn't be more stoked on how the record turned out and we're working on EP number two right now. Very cool. Um, Godless wonder. That was the EP yes, sir. that you came yes, out. Sir. 
killer. Uh, you'll get to play in front of people again. It's going to feel nice. Yeah, we, we, we played our first show with Fallujah, we, ironically. Which uh, makes we, sense. Yeah, yeah. Which makes, makes sense. Yeah, they had a they had a routing date home from uh, from their tour with Rivers, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it was in Reno, and the guys in Ember Throne all live in Sacramento. I live in Portland, so flew down, uh, you know, rip, rip that gig, kind of, you know, rip the Band-Aid off and kind of started that. It was fun. Got up on stage with Fallujah, did a song with them, butchered a part that I'm really glad didn't get put on the internet. You know, we were drunk, we were having fun. You get home and you Google it and you're like, oh no. Yeah, no, I I knew. I was like, I, but oh man. They all had in-ears in, there was no wedges on the stage and it's, you know, you know, Andrew's doing some craziness up there. Someone should have been tapping your leg or something, I don't know. (laughs) That's what I told him that whole nine-week tour I did with them. Hey, Scott, just tap my leg and I'll I'll, I'll know. Uh, So yeah, exactly. Playing in front of people again. Um, and then to the other point, uh, Lesser Animal, that's a Portland-based project. So uh, I just, again, like I said, I'm happy when I'm making music. I'm happy when I'm going to band practice. I'm happy when I'm working on stuff. Uh, and those guys are, again, people I've known uh, for the most part. Uh, the guitar player is Jason Bardoni. He played in Arsonist Get All the Girls, the Century Media Band, for a good 10, 15 years, I think, if not, if not, I think about that. But him and I have been buddies ever since... Um, Back in my Antioch days, I think we opened for Arsonist and him and I just hit it off and we've maintained a friendship and now he lives in Portland with his wife. He's got two kids. Um, so we wanted to do that. The drummer is a, a Portland staple named Duncan, uh, who he played in American Me, which is a Rise Records band. He's played in a bunch of projects. He plays in Sacrificer, which is Jamie Hanks from I Declare War's side project. You know how it is. It's all incestuous in the uh, in the local scenes. And our bass hey, hey, player, if you're, if you're reliable, you're gonna be you're gonna be called. Exactly, man. Um, and then our bass player is a, is a wonderful guy named Shay, who uh, his he's a company called This Heavy Earth that does guitar and bass pedals, and he's been creating custom pedals for Kurt Ballou, for Will Putney, for for lots of really cool bands. So you know, it, it's another group of assassins, uh, a really you know solid dudes in the Portland scene. Our first show is next week. So uh, I was in band practice last night. It's grindy. It's brutal. It's for fans of like, you know, nails, NASM, uh, agoraphobic nosebleed, napalm death. Really brutal, really fast. We're all pissed off. We've all been stuck inside. Uh, you know, we're all <laughs> friends. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. I think our music video should be out by the time that this video comes out. So we, we shot a video, another video as well. So that will be coming out. Um, so check out Lesser Animal. Uh, it's called the Gnashing EP. And check out Ember Throne, uh, Godless Wonder. Both are out and available now. Very well done. I do like the way that you you package things. And, and when you release something, it, it looks pr- like polished and well thought out and organized versus just dropping a single and, oh, my EP's out now. It's like you, you, you built something. I don't know if you had like publicist help or if it's just the experience of doing this for so many years. The Ember Throne uh, uh, project, we partnered with Seek and Strike Records. Um, Randy over there is a, is a industry staple. He's worked at Victory. He's worked at Sumerian. He's worked at uh, Century, I believe. Don't don't skewer me, Randy. I don't remember exactly. He's worked everywhere, I think. Uh, but uh, he, he built a team when he started Seek and Strike, and, and they definitely helped uh, leaps and bounds to, um, to, to push that record and to get that to the success it's gotten. And and we'll continue to. We have a really great working relationship. I'm excited to to see other opportunities come down the pipe. Um, but again, just kind of being in the industry for for a minute, especially with you know with Gabe's namesake, Martin Quinton as well. We built a team. Uh, we built management. Uh, got an agent. Got a got a label. We wanted to do it right. We didn't want to just drop it and say, "Hey, here it is." 
I want as many people More to hear this as possible. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got our royalty we got our first royalty check yesterday and oh boy, the group chat's been lighting up with memes and gifts on how fucking funny that is. But uh, you know, it's it's not streaming. about that. We the, just want the, the more ears here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Vox and Hopsheads? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. Something that is important to you is, uh, you mentioned a few earlier, uh, mental health, taking care of yourself, uh, disconnecting from the internet. Uh, talk to me about the choice that you've made there recently. You made a post that you're not there very often. Um, I've had my whole like Facebook downloaded cause I was going to delete it <laughs> nice a few times. Then I started the podcast and that made that decision very difficult, but yeah. uh, <laughs> talk to me about that, please. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, over the pandemic, we were inside so much. Obviously, you got, you know, you can find other hobbies. Obviously, I started a few hobbies uh, or rather refired up a few hobbies. But at the end of the day, your your social media is always there. It's always there. It's just constant. The 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 dopamine slot machine hooks get get their fuckers in. And um, it, it, it started to especially, I guess, over the pandemic, that didn't help. But then when things started kicking back up and seeing my friends uh, former tour mates, former bands go out there and be successful. It was just serving as a reminder that I wasn't doing it anymore and kind of didn't let me actually get fulfillment and get satisfaction from my day-to-day life and just let me live in another world that I wish to be in and let me wake, you know, fantasy fulfillment. I'm like, fuck, I'm not doing that anymore. And this is what I'm constantly seeing because my whole social media is just people I've met touring or playing music or just, you know, friends in that, in that realm who are into that. It's what I love more than anything in the world. So it, 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 you know, it bears, it bears saying that that was, you know, my, my entire feed effectively. So seeing that day in and day out, man, it was just, it was just getting to me. I don't even want to think about it, man. It was, it was just shot. And but nuking, I, they're still up because every time like in my project, we'll, we'll put something out. I want to post about it just to, you know, hop over there, post about it. Here it is. You know, I, I'm proud of this. I'm not going to engage and see like the bad news of the world all day. It's either the bad news of the world all day long or just my friends doing way cooler shit than me. You know, so it was not not good for for the day in, day out. So. A, getting off of your your Instagrams, your Twitters, your Facebooks, and just not looking at them ever 
I honestly felt like a, like a lead weight had been lifted off of my chest and I cannot promote it enough to, to my friends. I can't say just do this, you know, do, do that. I, I, I can't say that enough uh, on just the value of it and how much better I feel that it's just you're not you think you're going to miss out on something and you're not you're not missing out on anything. So so cutting that definitely felt great. Um, that's been kind of a not a 180, but I can feel a, a legitimate legitimate improvement in my mental health from that and then then going further off that i realized that kind of i pivoted to you know it's not social media but you're still addicted to that dopamine slot machine that that right that that addiction that instant gratification that instant gratification is then was pivoted from facebook and twitter being my my main sources to uh youtube so just watching bullshit all the time and then subconsciously if your brain is always getting a, a drip from that then if you don't have to do something for work or around home you're not going to do it if it's not life or death or just you know you're, you're gonna get fired if you don't do this thing you maybe won't do it because your brain subconsciously just you know it, it's a learning organism right it's a learning organ it's going to follow ways and grooves that you put in so i i've recently I made it a point to, to to cut back on a lot of that stuff every once in a while. I'll just try to do a dopamine detox where I don't look at anything recreational. I don't look at anything YouTube, read books, drink tea, go to the gym and, and try to be productive at work. And I know I sound like a fucking douchebag just being like, you know, like, oh, you got to work harder and do that. But just kind of just taking that step back and seeing the forest for the trees because I'm not ashamed to say, dude, I was like a legitimate addict on that shit. It was really, really bad. Like my productivity at work, my productivity in day to day life was just taking a complete nosedive. So finding that balance, I think is 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 paramount to not only your mental health, but just kind of advancing in life. And I have hope for like the next generation of kids who have a little more access to it and they understand that it can be poisonous. It can be bad, you know, and not just falling into the trap like say we did when because we came up with it we didn't know the the pitfalls or the dangers so that's a long diatribe but uh long story short i feel better uh, uh towards the end of it in a good place uh hopefully this pandemic is pretty much over and uh we can rip some gigs you know i would like that very much very 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 much uh you are right about uh, everything you said that that it, it is a trap it is it's it, meant to keep us there scrolling as long as we can and it is true I'm lucky I have the podcast, but watching friends announcing tours, being out there. But we also know we know this, but we still fall into the trap of people only post the best stuff of their day, right? So we're not seeing. Well, sometimes it's funny to just post the toilet covered in shit <laughs> that you have to squat over. <laughs> <laughs> I don't miss those. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. It's, but like it's living the... <laughs> vicariously through Ollie as an example from Cryptopsy because he's on tour with cattle all the time. I can definitely see that feeling of jealousy, let's say, and feeling of I wish that was me. And then that causing, you know, had I not seen it, I might have not had that moment of negativity and I would have had more positive mind space to do something more creative for myself for my family for my work so so i do i do see what you're saying yeah yeah and i mean to that point like 
the jealousy aspect is obviously a, a natural human emotion, right? But it's like if, if Ollie were to come over and have a barbecue and have a beer and hang out and he could tell you about this amazing tour he was just on and you can have completely that connection, different, right? Completely different, of course, completely but it's like, different. and you want, obviously you're happy for your friend. You're happy for your bandmate. I fucking love Ollie. I, I got bass lessons from Ollie over the pandemic because I learned to play bass yes. and did, did a record on that because, you know, nothing else to do. So Ollie's a fantastic human being. I love him and I'm so happy that he's killing it with cattle decapitation. Um, but, but you're right where it's like, if you just see a constant stream of, Hey, I'm doing great. Hey, I'm doing great. Hey, I'm doing great. The world's on fire. Hey, I'm doing great. Hey, I'm doing great. <laughs> Fuck you. Everyone's dying. Hey, I'm doing great. I, I oh my God. I, this has been amazing. I, I you feel know? really sad now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there's really, <laughs> my no... life is no good. I guess, I guess the world is ending. Dude, I just want to make, I mean, if I get back on social media, I want to make friends with like 60 year old women who just share recipes and like, I saw a squirrel outside today and fed him some corn nuts and he was really friendly. And here's a picture. Here's my dog. Like, oh yeah, Cheryl, that's great. A little wholesome shit, you know? I get old, I get soft, I guess. Uh, but, I would uh, like that. Anyway. <laughs> I did see Ollie last weekend at the Beer Fest in Chambly. It was very nice to hang out with him at Le Fermatau. It was, it was, it was very nice to see him because he's not here very often. He's always somewhere else. So it's he's always cool going. Man. Yeah. And, and can you, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've talked about it on the podcast prior and I apologize if I'm treading on, on ground that's already been covered, but any, any, uh, cryptopsy updates you can, you can talk about. We have a new record that is just about finished that will come out probably next year on a label that I cannot announce because we haven't announced it. And that's what I've been saying for about, you know, a few months now, but fuck yeah, man, <laughs> dude, tell them suffering still, man. Like, but both, both oh. books are doing full length though. Full length yes. this time. Yeah. Yes. And it's, um, you know, I'm in the band, so I'm really biased, but it's pretty good. Uh, dude, I'm so stoked. <laughs> I'm so fucking stoked, man. I, the, the, the recent stuff you guys have been putting out is, is on my gym playlist. It's on my running playlist. It's like oh, amazing. It's on that. Like, it's definitely on my, like, if anyone, I don't know why I think about this. Cause this is a weird thing to think about, but if anyone was like, what's like what's like death metal like what is that i'd be like check this out like cryptopsy <laughs> is in that playlist of like no no here's very the cool. real shit so dude i am i'm over the moon i'm very excited well, to hear you, what you guys have been cooking up. it's uh, it's an evolution but it's definitely still cryptopsy and i'll talk more about it after we stop recording okay um i love collabs as 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 you see here i like mm -hmm. to make things with my logo and other people's logos and killer beers which uh, is delicious um what would be the perfect collab for monty what would be something that Ooh. would really fit you obviously me beer makes sense i've made coffees i've made teas i love that shit but what would be something perfect for you that's a really interesting question uh wow i've never thought about that um i do enjoy marijuana i do enjoy that very much um I've very much been a fan of microdosing psilocybin as well over the pandemic. Um, I have a contact that I, I've worked with uh, that uh, has set up a pretty impressive industry that if it does get legalized in the recreational sense, he'll be able to turnkey. And I'd love to go into business with him as more or less of a sales rep, um, but I've been working kind of in that capacity. So I, I, I am a big fan of of kind of looking into new methodologies for mental health and and just understanding you know yourself and and that so that's a little hoity-toity i i i've loved running for a long time uh, i've i had an injury over the pandemic i was hitting it too hard and i'm kind of coming back from that so i don't know i always thought metal and running and just any kind of physical activity is cool i'm not a total gym rat i've, I've been been back pretty recently and been enjoying that um 
something along those lines, I, I, I suppose. Um, I do love beer. I, I do enjoy beer, but um, I don't think I enjoy it to the degree that I'd really have the fire behind me. Um, you need like a mushroom running club. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Take a there. You go. Take us a, a micro dose. You know, point uh, two grams of psilocybin. You know, hit the trail. Listen to some cryptopsy. Have some kind of content groups collaboration and groups, there. Group, yeah, and groups. Yeah, man, that group like well, tribal well, running. Well, well, you do interviews. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So I don't know. I, you know, where I've worn a lot of hats. I've enjoyed a lot of different things. That's a really good question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I might have to come back to you on a, on a, on a hard line answer there, but something in, in that realm. I mean, I guess the easy answer is just, uh, maybe low THC cannabis that you can, um, enjoy time with friends. Cause you know, cannabis is great. It, it's fun. But, uh, if you're hanging out with friends, smoking weed, it's, you get a little too toasted, you know, you don't want to be barbecued on Mars. You don't want to like, you know, split the veil between the next dimension, get high and not be able to have a conversation. But having that social lubricant of some lower THC, high CBD, I don't know. I think there's a market for that or people who don't want to get. I think so, too. It's totally happening in the beer scene. So, yeah, the whole low ABV thing. So, yeah, a low THC where you, you can enjoy what you enjoy, but still be social. And it's not crippling you with anxiety. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's your experience with cannabis, Matt? I used to enjoy it very much, but I do not do it very much at all anymore. Okay. Okay. I, I, I've heard, did, is it one of those cases? I've heard multiple use cases where people enjoy weed and enjoy weed until they don't at all anymore because it like a switch flips and they just, it gives them anxiety or something along those lines. It, that is what has been happening recently. Yeah. It really, it, it's the opposite yeah, of what it used interesting. to be. I'm really hoping that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> One last question. I didn't get to ask you my classic wrap-up question last time we had it because I hadn't invented it yet back on episode 30. It didn't exist. So so here we go. Probably doesn't happen to you very often because you're very busy working, um, getting married, buying a house, recording uh, multiple projects, a secret project you're going to tell me after we stop recording. Um, But every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? Hangover cure, hangover cure. I have a, a Mexican food spot that's like, I'm not kidding, five minutes away from Perfect. me by walking. Oh, yeah. It's like it's down the street and around the corner. <laughs> and the breakfast burritos, Oregon's not known for our Mexican food. California down south is 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 where it's at. And, and it's kind of my Twitter bio uh, for the longest time. I think it's still up there. It says, I'm forever searching for the perfect breakfast burrito. <laughs> That's like my favorite. It's the perfect it. food, but I found it. Uh, honestly, a low THC joint, a breakfast burrito in Seinfeld. Yes. See, that's, that's it. It. I like. I I I would come on that party. Seinfeld. The Seinfeld is a great hangover. Um, a it lull. is. It's just. Yeah. It's familiar. It's great. There's going to be no surprises. You're comforted. It's background noise. It's amazing. That's 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 great. I agree with that a hundred percent. No one said that, and I totally agree with that. Watching um, has been great. Silly that it's taken us long to hang out again. Seriously, I'm happy that we did. Um, everyone, please go check out Lesser Animal, Ember Throne. Do it. Go to those shows if you can with Cyborg Octopus. It will be coming up in the next week or so when this episode comes out. I had a blast. I hope you did. Massive cheers to you, Matu. I can't wait to do this face to face soon. Please. Very soon. Cheers, Matt. Thanks so much, man. 
Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right today. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, I love hanging out with Monty. I could just listen to him talk forever. First off, he has a beautiful sounding voice. What an amazing voice. I, 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 it's very soothing. I like it. And more than that, he's very inspiring. Everything that he said about disconnecting from social media to make himself better, to getting back into music, to being more focused in life. Very inspiring, and I'm very stoked for everything that he has coming up. Lesser Animal, Ember Throne, the top secret band that he told me about. After we stop this conversation, trust me, get excited, people. Monty's going to be all over the place. Massive cheers to Monty for hanging out with me once again. Over 300 episodes later, I love that so very much. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do it on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a month that contains all of the details of everything that's been happening in the world of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I've dropped recently. You'll get to see which episodes I have coming up. You'll get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. And you'll hear about any projects that I have in the works before I announce them to the public. you also get to see which albums... Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, is added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist. There is a lot going on in the world of the Vox and Haas Metal podcast, and I'd hate for you to miss a single thing, so please sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hospital podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. I will be back next week with yet another Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops episode. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts?